out of place. Amen. So we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence and come before your throne. This is where you do business with your, your people, with your servants. We thank you that we have access through your precious blood, Jesus. It's all good where we are in your presence. So we thank you for that. Open up our eyes and our ears to hear today. Allow us to have visitation from you in power and in, in glory. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to make sure I mention our offer for this month, our Master Prayer Manuals, $8 plus shipping. Seven Weeks to Healing, Volume 1, is free. Amen. And also tomorrow morning at 9 and Wednesday p.m. at 9, our Strong Faith Broadcast, KDAY Live, Internet, Amen, Radio, Amen. So we're hearing faith and healing on that right now, and it's it's really a blessing. The Word is always a blessing, Amen. Praise God. So we're going to um, continue to talk about hope today. Uh, I started something else last week. I'm not sure why. I think it's because God told me to. But as I was looking over these notes uh, again, I thought it would be good to go back. Uh, You know, when preachers make notes, they never finish, right? You got, I got volumes of notes of sermons that never got completed. Why? Because God wants to continue. He always has more to say. Amen. And and our little knowledge is so small compared to what he, we think we got a big deal going on and it's so small compared to what God has. And so I just want to make sure we, we complete what we were, what we began uh, last week. And uh, I had um, uh, some, some things I wanted to continue talking about hope, but I thought I would mention hope as a seed. Amen. Because I think, we spend so much time talking about faith and, and, you know, once you start putting faith in operation, you'll be sitting there thinking you've done everything. And then God said, well, you got to add something to that. You got to add this to that. You got to keep serving me. You've got to keep doing the things I need you to do. And, and faith really is a lifestyle. It's not just something we use when we need something. And I, I just really, uh, hope that I can convey that to people that it, it's a lifestyle uh, way that we live every day. That's what faith is. Uh, it's not just something you grab when you need something and start confessing and start doing all our little ritual things that we think uh, we need to do in order to get what we want. It's it's a lifestyle of obeying God. It's a lifestyle that glorifies God. It's a lifestyle that that makes us the friend of God. Uh, it is so much more than just some formulas and steps to grab stuff, even though it's important to get, if it's a formula, it's important to get it inside of you as a pattern. But once the pattern's set, you got to fill that in. Amen. Uh, just like when they taught you arithmetic, uh, A plus B equals C. And then you fill in all the digits. And that formula works for anything you want to add up. Amen. And so you begin to fill that in. Once the formula or the pattern is set, we begin to fill in the details with our lives. And we find that faith is is so much more 
and then just quoting the word back to God and holding on until, you know, the devil gives it up or, you know, somebody, uh, you throw enough hints to somebody and they give you what you want. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we are, you know, that's faith too, I guess, you know, God honors it to a degree. But, but I thought I would talk more too about hope as a seed and how to keep that, that door of hope open and let it cooperate with your faith so that your faith is working on something. Because I think many times people get discouraged with the life of faith or what they believe is the life of faith because they let hope go. You know, it's like that balloon that you used to hang on to for all your life. And then all of a sudden you let go of it and your hope evaporates. And you say, well, what am I, what am I, you know, praying for? What am I speaking the word for? What am I, you know, I don't, I can't even get that anymore. And I think we, we need to always uh, take care of our hope, just like we take care of our faith. We take care of our finances, our giving, everything. Uh, so I was sharing this yesterday with Howard and I told him, I said, you know, I think I might want you to come up. I said, I want to put you on the spot. So I'm warning you in advance, you know, uh, that, that I would want him to share some things, just things that he's found that God has allowed him to do, but I'm going to read you a scripture first and, and always keep this in mind because I always tell people it's never too late to believe God. Don't ever think so much time has passed, it won't happen, or so much this is gone, it won't. You know, you, you just can't underestimate God's faithfulness. And, and when we start to engage the laws of his kingdom, he begins to respond. He's not looking at time. He's not, he's not looking at it the way we look at it. And I think people give up and they don't understand why they give up. Then they blame it on the passage of time. You understand what I'm saying? We, we have feelings and we have thoughts and we don't know why we have them. And then we start putting things together, you know, well, well, I'm not looking to get married anymore because, you know, I'm this age, I'm that age and I've, I've, I've gone through school and I've got this and I've got that and, and time has passed me by. That's what people say. Or I don't care if, you know, I, I'm content with the job I had. I used to want to do so and so and such and such, but it's been so long now. You know, I've heard people in their 20s tell other people it's too late for them to go to. I wanted to go to college, but it's too late now. And I'm thinking you're only in your 20s. Why is it too late? You know, somebody who's looking objectively, but they're convinced. And see, there's. It's not, that's not what it is. They blame it on that. But there's something else working in them that they can't face. See, discouragement, fear of failure. You're not afraid. You're afraid you won't master that. So you'd rather stick with what you got, even though you're not real satisfied with it. You could be happier if you step out and try. And so many people let life pass them by and let the blessings of God pass them by because they let go of that hope that they were holding on to. So I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter eight and then I'll let Mr. Dillard come up and bless us with, with just some testimony and some points that things that God has taught him to do so that he can, can walk in what God wants him to have. So Genesis eight and chapter 22, God told, told Noah this. He says, while the earth remains, 
is the earth still here? Then you there's there's hope for you. Amen. And this was the hope he gave. He gave them the rainbow in the sky as a symbol of his promise to never destroy the land by water again. And he has kept that promise. We've had floods and typhoons and all kinds of bad water weather, but people have always survived it. Amen. So so he has kept his word. And it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. So you, whatever seed you plant, you will live to harvest it. You will see it, it come to pass. Amen. Seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So you're going to live to receive what it is that you're believing God for as long as that seed is planted and you're, you're working on that seed. You expect to harvest. You've got to expect it to come to pass. If you quit expecting it to happen, it will not happen. You got me? It won't happen for you. So you can't let the devil discourage you and say, well, too much time has gone past. And it's a, well, people your age don't do this and don't do that. I've seen people uh, in college in their 70s, 80s, you know, because they were determined that hope never left them. Amen. And they did well. You got me. And so it's it's not for us to call time on anything. And God doesn't. He says, as long as the earth remains, there's time for you to do that thing. There's time for me to give you that. There's time for me to bless you. There's time for me to prosper you. So, uh, Mr. Howard, why don't you come up and share with us? Um, I don't know. You need a mic, right? You got him a mic, Miss? Yeah, praise God. So I'm just going to have him share what God's put on his heart to share so you can be encouraged. Uh, just to continue to sow your seed and believe God and keep that hope alive. Seed sowing keeps hope alive, amen, because you're sowing towards something. Praise God. Hey. Amen. I just tell you, over the years that I've been in this ministry, you know, we've been taught seed time and harvest, you know, and I started picking it up and I grabbed a hold of it and I saw I've seen what God has done for me, you know, as far as blessing me. And I'll take you back to the conference. That's where it started there because uh, we do so much at the conference. And you just say, well, Lord, I'm sowing this seed for my business or I'm sowing this seed for my children or I'm sowing this seed for my health. And I always sow that seed for my business. And I tell you, once the conference was over with, my seed was in the ground. Okay. And uh, when I dropped everyone off and I, I said, gave my seed a direction. I said, I'm sowing it for my business. And I tell you, time after time, I saw my business increase. Every week, I had the best week every time. And it's just not just that one week. It started increasing. It started going up and up and up. Right to the point where we're at now. Because I trust God and I take him at his word, you know, and so I don't care what you you're doing. If you just clean the church up or, you know, that's a seed. That's a seed. And you young folks, you know, if you're not doing anything, you're waiting around. Get with Miss Nola and ask her what you can do because you can sow a seed and that seed will take you a long way. Okay. Um, 
Let me see what else I wanted to say. Um, let me check my notes here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will take you back because uh, I uh, for I had some some work I had to do over past the barbs, and I kind of drug my feet a little bit, and uh, getting over there and getting it done. And she told me, she said, Howard, make sure you get your seed in the ground because it's so important. And you got to do things with a good faith, with a good heart. Okay. Because I tell you, if you start complaining and murmuring, you're going to kill that seed. It won't grow. And so you got to be careful with that. And and just also be also just, just be cheerful when you're doing the work of the Lord because it's so important. It's so important. It's enough work around here for everybody to, to prosper off of. And you got to believe that. And cause God will come through for you. He'll bless you because I see it in my life today. My goodness, he, you know, good weeks. It's just when my truck breaks down, you think you have to call a truck, a tow truck. But then you can, on the other end, you can fix it. Or God will send you an angel to help you fix it to get, you, to get it home. And that happened to me time after time after time. I am so thankful for what God is doing. And I just, <laughs> I just want to encourage you. Just keep continuing to sow your seed. Keep your faith alive. Don't let it go dormant. Just keep it alive. And uh, just take God at his word. That's what I'm doing right now. And it's working in my life, you know. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Well, you were taking notes, right? Uh, Right. Went to sleep again. Right. Okay. Praise God. Well, I just thought I'd have uh, Howard share that with you because he's, amen, he's been with the ministry enough years (laughs) and been here long enough to experience ups and downs like everybody else, but God is still faithful. See, he's still faithful, and he was faithful with with him from the beginning, has been to the end. Amen. There's so many things that that um, I've witnessed in the Dillers' life that that they have have been faithful to God when they had to get four children to the cos, uh, conference as well as themselves. God always came through with the money for it. You know what I'm saying? So never write God off as not being able to do what you need him to do so that you can get to where you their their seed to sow was at the conference it wasn't any other place they wanted it to be you know and i think sometimes people think well that's too far or that's i where am i going to get the money to get me there so i can sow my seed god always provides he gives seed to the sower he knows in your heart you want to sow it and so he'll get you there to sow that seed. So it's just really a blessing all the way around. And I encourage people to examine your your life. Don't be afraid to look at your life and see where God has been faithful and see where there's a testimony. If you look for it, you'll find it in, in your own life. We all have one. So so I just thought I'd share that when we were talking about hope. I said this would be a good time to to in in the. Uh, I can remember when when they had their first truck and then the the uh, 
crash of 2008 happened right in the middle of their business plans. And they had to let that phase go. They, they had to let that truck go and not keep going. But then hope revived again. And, and they got one recently. You see what I'm saying? So never give up on. And that money was laid up for them. Amen, Mr. Howard. From what you could have been making all those years, that God laid that money and they're reaping it now. So it's best if you hold on to hope, folks. It's best and keep believing God and keep sowing seed and, and don't say, well, I can't do that. The only thing that keeps us from doing it is we're not, we don't humble ourselves to ask God, what can I do? He, he knows your situation and he knows what you're capable of. And sometimes you can do more, a whole lot more than you think you can do. Amen. So always get your seed in the ground. That's where it's going to do you some good. So, so praise God. Amen. So we're going to continue to talk about hope and, and how we can, can uh, live, uh, how not to extinguish hope, how to keep it alive and allow it to work for us and allow uh, for our lives to be blessed because we don't give up what God has put in your heart. If you connect your hope to something that is important to God, God will reward you. He just will. It, these, when we talk about things that are on your heart to do, these ideas must come from God's word. You know, they, they have to come from God. It has to be something that he's promised you. And that is so easy. You know, you don't have to go very far in the scriptures to find something that God will quicken to you, will speak into your heart, will, will give you uh, enlighten you and, and make that, as we say, the words jumped off the page at me. Uh, God will always show you what he has for you. And so when we talk about hope, uh, we can see that it, it, it continues to hope anyhow. On the passage of time, it will continue to hope anyhow. Uh, so in Romans chapter four, we'll go there and we'll talk about Abraham because his his hope was tied to a God-ordained purpose for his life. They have to be God-ordained purpose. Now, everybody has a purpose of, 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 you know, what we call life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That comes right out of the Bible. You know, we just didn't pick that up as something universal that people do. You, uh, people can observe people and see everybody wants to live. Everybody wants to enjoy their lives. And, and God gave us the ability to enjoy our lives by providing for us the things that we desire. So in Romans uh, 4, in chapter 4, verses, I think we'll start 17. And, and it says here, when, when God spoke to Abraham, he said, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Amen. God had already made him that. Whatever it is that you desire, you know, many times your desires coincide with the gifts that you have on the inside of you. Amen. And, and that makes it easy for God to bless your life because you don't have to believe for something extraordinary so that you can do what he's put you in the earth to do. And so uh, he, he, he said, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, how many men don't ever become fathers? We know the vast majority of men become fathers. And why? Because God in the garden put that, that 
that gift inside of the man and the woman. Be fruitful, go forth, be fruitful, multiply, and in increase in the earth and inherit the earth. And so, and, and so that was put in male and female. So both male and female desire to parent when they get to be adults. Amen. That's a common desire. But God added his touch to what he gave to Abram. And he said, I've made you the father of many nations. In other words, it just won't be you and your family, your nuclear family that you live with. But your generations will go on forever and ever and ever. So um, Abraham became the father of the everlasting generations. Amen. And that is the people who believe God, who now are born again before it was the nation of Israel. But now it's it's many nations. It's all who will be born again. We are the the ones, the sons of Abraham by faith. And so he says, I've made you, I've already made you that. So you can't change my mind. You might as well believe me because it's going to happen because I've already done it. See, when God does, when God says something, he's done it already. We're the last ones to find out. See, it's a shock to you because you don't know who you are until you encounter God. And once you encounter God, you gotta 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 listen to what God says on a continual basis. You can't take a little bit and run off with it and make you make it what you want it to be. Amen. Abraham tried that. It's like, how's Ishmael working out for you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Anytime you go out on your own to you can take a promise from God and try to manufacture it and make it happen in your own strength. Huh? You'll have the devil to fight. Number one, you'll have God to fight because he don't co-sign no checks that he don't write. You know, if his mouth don't write that check, he's not going to co-sign and cash it for you. So it's going to bounce on you all over the place. And so we might as well go back to the drawing board. Many times it's not happening fast enough for us. With Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't figure out how God, now Sarah's never been able to have children. How is she going to, well, she must not be the one. Hey, I can tell you, I, I hear a lot of preachers say that. They'll leave the wife of their youth and go find somebody else. Well, she just didn't see my vision. You don't have one. If it don't include her, you don't have one. Don't don't share my vision. I'm glad she doesn't because you can get that one from God. So Abraham, you know, they and Sarah was in on it. She said, well, you know, maybe, you know, because of her inability. You see what I'm saying? You know, she she didn't have the, the confidence in God to wait on God or believe God for a miracle. So they walk through a lot of difficulty based on their own ability to try to bring a promise of God to pass. Amen. And so then when Ishmael's, you know, about grown, God visits Abraham again and he says, uh-uh, do it right this time. Don't you love that about God? Here you are. You're like, what? Do what right? Amen. I, I know. And Abraham was pleading with God. Oh, Lord, that Ishmael might live before you. Let him be the one anyway. And God's like, no, I know, never told you that. And then once he started seeing how, how disruptive his words were to them, 
You ever been disrupted in your life by something God wanted you to do? Yeah. Well, he is the great disruptor for your own good. He don't need your help with nothing. Amen. And we might as well admit that and understand that we might as well wait patiently for God to give us the first step, the next step, the steps after. He wants every step we take to be of him and to be successful. And so he tells Abraham when he's almost 100 years old, he was old enough to start out with. And then when he got to be 20, uh, 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 Ishmael was, what, 12 or 13 at the time. Abraham's, you know, up there uh, 100 years old almost, and Sarah's older too. They were too old when God first talked to them. But, you know, they had some function, you know, natural function. At least Abraham did. And so instead of waiting patiently for God, they stepped out to do it in their own strength. And that did not disqualify them. Somebody ought to be glad. Amen. How many of us stepped out and done something in our own strength? Well, God's going to bless it anyway now that you belong to him. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. You get a new start. So get to starting over. Start living for God now. Start doing things the way he wants you to do instead of the same old way. So God then visits Abraham again. He says, I have made you. I've already done this, Abraham. You can't change my mind. Mind's made up. I don't care what you think you've done and how you think you fix this. But I'm going to tell you, it's not fixed as far as I'm concerned. Because I have a whole lot more in mind for you than you ever thought imaginable. I have a whole lot more in mind for you. See, we think in terms of what I want, what I can do, my little place, what my little house can hold, what my little garage can hold. That's just, just my little stuff right here. As long as it fits into that, we're good. Well, God wants to blow the whole thing up and start all over again. Amen. And let him do it if he wants to, because your life is tied to something so much larger than what you can imagine in your generation right now. I see many, many, uh, 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 I've, I've been studying on some of the church fathers, you know, some of the ministers that have gone before us. And, and they were really preaching their sermons to that audience they had right there. Little did they know that those sermons would be captured and people would be reading them now or listening to them read now and, and uh, growing from what they had. And so when you deal in God and you deal with God's word and you deal with serving God, that the purpose of what you're doing is so much bigger than you have in mind and your little heart right now. And really, Abram was saying, hey, I got one son and I was old when he was born and and I'm good. And God said, no, no, no. I have something else in mind for you. You you are are a, a father, exalted father. You're a good father. You know, Abram, his name first meant exalted father, which means somebody who does well at what they do. A good father who sticks with his family, takes care of his family. And Abram did that. He took care of Lot, who really wasn't his son. That was his nephew. He never abandoned anybody that God put under his charge. So he was a good father. If you're a father figure to a nephew, 
you're a good father. Amen. Sometimes uncles just want to be uncles and aunts want to be aunts. Oh, Lord, I'm glad that one ain't mine. You know, that's my sister's kid and I love her, but I'm glad she don't live with me all the time. You understand? But Abram went farther than that. God increased his capacity as a father. And God said, you know what? I have a whole lot more in mind for you, Abram. And he says, I made you a father of many nations before whom he believed even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they are, who against hope believed in hope. Natural hope was gone. You know, that little balloon took off in the great by and by, and he didn't hope anymore to be a natural father. But against that, he reached up and grabbed it again. God made him grab it again and pull it down into his faith where God could make it manifest. Amen. So hope can get away from you for a season. And then you'll realize God's back knocking on the door of my heart about this thing. He won't let me quit on this thing that he's promised me. And I thought I had it done already. I thought it was over already. And here it's still in my heart to do this. And see, when you can do that, you've mastered part of the supernatural that many people cannot master. Because many times when people, you know, I'm too old. It's, you, know, you know, you realize how old I am. I don't know. And when you can grab hope again and mix it with faith and see it work and see God be faithful. Amen. You've entered. This is the faith of Abraham. Not many people can do that. Once it's over in the natural, I say, I am too. I'm here. I'm 65. I'm ready to retire. I can't be taking a promotion right now. Got me? See, you, you, you've got to learn how to hope against hope. Because God has success planned for you. I don't care what age you are. I don't care. Because it's for about more than what you think it's about. See, when you hope against hope, you enter into God's realm. Amen. It's 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 a do over and it's it you know, it might cause you some 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 brain cramps for a minute, but God will help you straighten that out. If God's in it, he'll help you do it and do it. Right. Amen. He said against hope. He believed in hope that he might become a father again. Amen. With a wife whose womb was dead from day one. Her womb was D.O.A. She was never able to have children. You got me? So God preserved her fertility for a certain time. You know, there are a lot of people like that in the world. They, you know, people think, well, you know, we've been trying for a while. I said, keep trying. Amen. Do your part. And God will do his. He can't do his if you don't do yours. But you don't know. And oh, you don't know God. You're about to experience him if you don't give up. Amen. The Bible says you will reap if you don't faint. And so this is the purpose of hope. It's to keep the dream alive in you. You wake up thinking about that. You go to bed thinking about that. It starts to creep into your prayers. You ever have ever prayed about something years ago and then all of a sudden it starts to creep into your prayers again later on? It'll creep back in there. Well, that's God. He preserved that promise for a certain time because he's on his own time schedule. He ain't thinking about us down here. He said, you can let your head be messed up, but I'll give you one day to straighten it out. You're going to straighten up and, and get it together. 
and understand that I'm talking to you. We're not allowed to give up on anything, folks. As long as, as the earth remains, you get up every morning and there's firmament under your feet or there's, there's ground under your feet, amen, then, then you got to get up and know that God is still working on that promise. Whatever it is that you're believing God for, he's still doing it. Because the devil is the great extinguisher of hope. Because he doesn't have any in him. It's a foreign material to him, so he fights it. So he'll put all kinds of ideas into our heads. No, you can't do that. Well, what makes you think you can do that? What makes you think God is going to do that for you? I'll ask myself that from the day I got saved. (laughs) Amen? And I never came up with a good answer. So I said, well, I just have to trust God. I believe he said he's going to do it. So I think he's going to do it. Amen. And and it, it has come to pass, just as God says. So you stay with God. That word's got to happen. You stay obedient to God. That word has got to happen. Amen. So it says, and being not weak in faith, verse 19, amen, somehow when when. Uh, you know, something goes away out of your visibility. Sometimes it'll come back stronger. You you know what I'm saying? Like it's something you had. Well, God, I hadn't really thought about that in such a long time. You, I can remember you telling me something about that years ago. Or when you first got saved, there was something that God told you or mentioned to you or something like that. And then and you hadn't thought about it in many, many years. And then all of a sudden it starts to bounce back up again. See, that's that's the God hope coming. Sometimes he hides things from us. Be glad. See, be exceeding glad. Because if it's hidden from you, you can't mess with it. If it's hidden from you, you can't talk it down and talk bad about it. Sometimes he'll just remove things out of our visibility or out of our consciousness. So it doesn't just come to us in our thought life. And, and that's a good thing. He had, The Bible says he shrouds himself in thick darkness. And so he's hiding himself and what he has for us in the darkness of, of our souls sometimes where we can't bring it up, where we can't shine light on it. So where we can't tamper with it, where we can't alter it, and whether we where we can't make a change to it that he doesn't want to have it changed. Amen. So he instead of him coming to Abram immediately when Ishmael was born, what did he do? He waited 12 years. Why do you think he waited 12 years? He was allowing it to be removed from Abram's consciousness. Because as long as it was in Abram's mind, he was go out and go out and do something to try to make it happen again. I'm going to say it again. As long as it's in your mind, you're going to try and do something to make it happen. When he removes it from your mind, okay, we have this son, and you know, we halfway satisfied. He acting bad and his mama looking funny and all this kind of, you know, Abram don't want to come home. <laughs> Huh? It's trouble, trouble in River City. Amen. And so, you know, he's strutting around, his mama strutting around, the wife fussing at him, had to throw her out, all that kind of stuff. But but he's engaged Abraham's 
consciousness is engaged in his life the way it is now, and he feels like God has answered that prayer. Sometimes we feel like God has answered a prayer, and we go back later and find out there's more to it than he than he we think there is. I that was phase whatever you know, and and you know you get comfortable and you think you're gonna coast the rest of the way. Amen. You know, I was sitting one day and and God caught me. You know, I was thinking. I said, well, you know, I ain't feeling too bad. I said, God, this body the way it is, this might last me until I come home to meet you. See, when you get over 70, you start thinking like that. You know, how long are these parts going to last? And and I just heard the Lord said, really? That's all you have in mind? You're just going to coast the rest of the way? And then he told me, he said, I'm getting ready to change the ministry. And I'm saying, who are you talking to? You talking to me? You talking to me? Talking to me? Talking to me? You know, like calling this bluff and he said yeah I got much more for you to do he said I'm going to revive some things that you thought were dormant and then I go to Billy Burke's meeting he says the same thing exact same thing come here Barbara and I'm thinking nobody calls me that who is he talking to and I finally realized he was talking to me he said come here I'm like oh lord God didn't found me down here. You know, you go to hide out in somebody's meeting and just coast and, and enjoy yourself. You don't have to conduct the meeting. All you do is sit. It was wonderful. And then, you know, God will find you. Amen. He finds you all the time. And he repeated the same thing to me. And, and God told me, and God had been speaking to me about wealth. Uh, like a year before, he started talking to me about giving me so much wealth, it would stagger my imagination. And I'm thinking, woo. But, you know, it's always tied to something. You can't get too excited. You know, money, come on now, money. If you're still excited about money, it's good. But but it's all tied into the same promise, you see, doing something for God. And so I'm, you know, letting him fill in the blanks and fill in things. But, you know, it's like, okay, God, now, now, I know what I said about my body parts before. You got to give me new body parts. Okay, let's get my faith going here. I'm going to have to get more energy, more stamina. Instead of waiting to coast out of here, now I got to get new energy. I got to get new life. I got to believe him for so much more. You see what I'm saying? So so God, never, never think you got it figured out. Never think you have it figured out. You may figure like, well, God, I can, can I can keep preaching twice a week like I've been doing till Jesus comes, you know, that kind of stuff. But maybe that's not what he has in mind for you. Maybe you got to get yourself prepared for something more and for something that is on his heart to do. Don't ever, you know, think he's he's in agreement with your little understanding of what this world is all about. He has his own plans. He don't need me to help him plan nothing. Amen. He told me one time, I'm God Almighty. He said, I don't have a wife and don't need one. I said, oh, okay. Well, in that case, I guess I'll keep my Latusian to myself. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Now, he's betrothed to a bride, but we haven't. You understand what I'm saying? So we'll, we'll get there. But right now, he don't need some woman standing over his shoulder pointing out stuff he need to be doing. Amen? So, amen. So that's God. 
Amen. That's God. So praise God. So, so God wants us to come into that faith combined with the hope that's in him. Hope is in God, folks. He stores it up for us and distributes it to us as we need it. Basically, your hope is, is tied to your life, and it's time to a promise of God. Now, Abraham's fertility was tied to a God-ordained purpose. God's purpose was already on order for him. Amen. And then only the purpose of God was going to cause him to, to be able to be sustained throughout his life. His, his life was that he is the father of a multitude of many nations. And his, his seed is still in the earth, folks. Not just spiritual seed, us Christians, but natural seed as well. Amen. Pastor Shirley, I saw you come in here walking without it. I promise you I saw that. I did. I mean, and just as straight as you are now, I mean, I believe that God has healed you. I mean, seriously, when I looked, I said, oh, she don't have a cane. And then I looked, you know, I'm just looking by the spirit. And yeah, and, and I know it's, it's a done deal. You know what I'm saying? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 God is so good. He's so good. Amen. He will never, never, never disappoint us. Amen. It's just a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, when we hope in God, we will never be ashamed or disappointed. We'll never be ashamed or disappointed. He wants us. To, to be able to share in his goodness. Amen. He shares his glory with us a little bit. You know, it falls on us in different ways. You know, when he heals us, that's a manifestation of his glory. When he saves people, when he blesses people, when he gives somebody a new home, when he gives them security, when he gives them the dream job, when he gives them the business, that that is him sharing just a portion of who he is and what he is with us. And so when we tie our hope to God's ability and not our own, then we can receive everything that the Lord has for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, God has certain thoughts to us and he knows what he thinks. So he's not impressed with our thoughts about ourselves. Amen. He could care less what you think about you because he's got news for you. He's going to inform you exactly who you are. Amen. He'll tell you who you are. You don't tell him nothing. Amen. Just sit back and receive the truth. He sees you as a, a son and a daughter born in his image with full rights and full abilities to receive everything that he owns you receive of his covenant. Amen. So he says, don't try to tell me what I think about you. I know the thoughts I have towards you. Amen. And their thoughts to do you good in the thing that you hope for every single day, he's working on it to bring it to pass on your behalf. So he's always working on things. He doesn't need us to tell him anything. Amen. 
And so as long as we understand that they're working, we're working on something, something is coming to us, that we are being blessed beyond measure, then, then we know what it is that, that God has for us so that we can have the things that God desires for us to have. In hope, we're able to re- resist resentment because you have something to hope for. Uh, we'll go back to 1 Samuel 1, I think it is. It's a story of Hannah and how God treated her and, and what was really going on in her life. Amen. What's really going on in Hannah's life? We resent, we resist resentment through hope. Amen. And Hannah, let me see. One. Yeah, we'll start in, in, in verse one. There was a certain man of Rephathim and of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu. You know, when God mentions all these ancestors, it's because these people are important to him. People are important to God. Amen. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The other was Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, it's, it's, it's a thought that Hannah was his first wife. He married her first. He wasn't just going around gathering wives. But it was common that if a woman was barren, then a man took on a second wife because it was considered to be a curse or an embarrassment not to have children. And so to keep his face and keep his dignity and, you know, wherever he was, he would, they take on second wives. And as long as you had children, you were considered to be blessed or favored by God. And this man went up out of his city every year. So he was a godly man. He was faithful to God. But this was, was during a time, you know, when, when, when people backslid, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. This really was forbidden in Israel for a man to have more than one wife. But they took him on anyway. David had a whole bunch of wives. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's it's God's mercy, uh, you know, kind of like this. It's a custom. It, but but God, as long as this man is being faithful to God, God has an obligation to his family, to him, to his seed to keep them alive. Their sins were forgiven back then, just like ours were when they made the sacrifices and offerings. And he says he went up to worship sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And there were two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Now, why do they mention this? Because this begins to make sense as far as what's going to happen with Hannah. Amen. Here's Eli. He's got two sons and he has no control over these boys of his. And generally, the priest taught his his sons to be priests and ordained them as priests, and then they would take over the job after the father went on. These boys somehow they don't they don't they haven't met the the standard. Amen. And when the time was that uh Hophni and Phineas, the priests of the Lord, were there, and when the time that was was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penaniah his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion or a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. 
Now, God will compensate for any lack in a person's life. And I think people need to understand this about God. Why would he leave Hannah to be ridiculed, put down a laughing stock because she had tried to conceive and couldn't? You got me? Those things are God's business and and but people can suffer ridicule but so in a way of consoling Hannah he gives her more he gives her a worthy portion and the lord shared this with me he said i honor and give a double portion to all barren women he still does it amen and he will do it with women who are waiting for children during that period of barrenness where where they can't conceive he will somehow enhance their value. They're more valuable to him, and he has to let women know that. So whenever society is trying to diminish you in value, know that God has a double portion for you to increase your value, to show you that you are worthwhile and valuable to him. And so this this was done with her every year. And she was able to offer more to the Lord than her competition or adversary. And it says, and he causes her, in verse 6, he refers to Penaniah as the adversary. So the devil is feeding into this and provoked her and to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. See, the Lord did this. It wasn't, there's nothing that you can do about it. You've got to trust God. And he did so year by year when he went up to the house of the Lord. And so she provoked her and therefore she wept and did not eat. And then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why are you crying? And said, why are you, I'm doing the best I can. And aren't I better to you than, than more sons? And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. She still wanted children. In other words, a husband's a husband, but children are children. It's a difference. <laughs> But he's trying to make up for it, and, and she sees that. So Hannah rose up early after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. So really, her adversary did her a favor. Every time the devil provokes you and makes fun of you, he's doing you a favor. You may not see it, but it's true because it provoked her not to give up hope. You got me? As many times, I mean, she probably was consoled by her husband because she was barren. But then when she got provoked, there was a fight of faith that came alive in her. See, every time the devil provokes you, you should get angry and say, no, wait a minute, devil. God's blessing me. Whatever it is that you think you're taking away from me, you're a liar. God has blessed me, and he's going to bless me still. So she didn't give up hope. She kept making her petition to God and praying to God. And she prayed to God, God, and she vowed a vow and said, Lord of hosts. See, this is where the devil loses. He always overplays his hand. Huh? Because what he what he always accuses us of is being selfish just like him. 
If not, you know, like he did with Job, he said, does this man serve you for nothing? You give him everything. Plus, you put a hedge around everything he owns. I can't even steal from Job. I'm going to say it again. He said, you have put a hedge around this man so tight that I can't steal nothing from him. He had to beg God to remove the hedge from around Job and everything he owned so that he could provoke Job and test him and see if he could get Job to turn his back on God and lose everything. So he couldn't wait to make God, Job sick. You understand me? So the devil will provoke us and provoke us to his own hurt. Because, see, what he will get out of the deal is somebody who says, you know what, God, I don't care if I have any, if I, if I, if I never get anything from me, if I never have children from me, let me have one for you. You understand what I'm saying? See, that's the kind of stuff that comes out of a person who sold out to God when the devil provokes them. You know, a lot of times people run around here, they want to get even with people about stuff. You, you missed the whole point. You missed the whole point of the devil's prodding you and making you mad through people. The point for you to get to is, God, I don't care. Let me get something. What's in this for you, God? This one's for you. I'm giving this one to you. Amen. And he, she told the Lord, she said, God, if you give me, if you will look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me, and if not forget your handmaid, but give me a man child, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. In other words, the devil has made me so mad, I don't want nothing out of this for me. It's all for you. When you get to that point, God will move for you. He'll, he will not fail you in anything. You get to the point, and why was this necessary? Why did God have her go through all of this? Why was this necessary? Hophni and Phinehas were, were there. They were Eli's sons. Huh? There was somebody standing in line for the priesthood. But why did God put her in this strait? Because Hophni and Phinehas were in sin. They were having sex with women in the temple and eating up God's food. Wouldn't give God his. They took away the. They were stealing from the church. And God don't promote thieves. He fires them. And he needed a replacement. Huh? He'll get the right person. Trust me. If he's got to get a, a woman provoked so bad, she cries so bad, the, the priest thought she was drunk. She was way off in the spirit praying to God. She prayed a prayer she had never prayed before. Do you understand me? Sometimes God needs to get people out of self overweight into him so they can read his heart. And she finally read God's heart. You read God's heart and you get what you need and then some. Do you understand me? All these little prayers, we thank you, Lord, for my this and my that. No, that's good. But somebody down here needs a prayer, deeper prayer sometimes so God can really be moved and do something down here. 
Sometimes, you know, healing ministries are born out of people's afflictions in their health. You see it all over and over and over again in people that had great healing ministries. John G. Lake said, everybody in my family died from, from one affliction or another. He said, one day I got sick of it. I said, God, this is not you. Show me your healing power. Amen. He changed the city of Spokane, Washington. It was deemed the, the healthiest city in the United States. He had healing rooms. He had people would travel for miles to come in there. He said, and we'd let them stay in here until they got well. See, there was no plan B until they got well, or there was no or in the conversation. They got well before they left. They stayed until they got it. Most of us couldn't stand it. Sitting up like, huh? you know, the Browns getting ready to lose. Back in losers. Yeah, I said it. Weep. 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 Care whose feelings I hurt. <laughs> Getting my point across. If you had that kind of hope in God, you'd be burning the world up. <laughs> Need to transfer some of that. Get on another bus. Amen. So it says here in verse 12, he said, and it came to pass, she continued praying before the Lord. And Eli looked at her mouth and spoke in her heart. Her lips moved. I would say that was, that's the groanings of the spirit. You got me? This was before tongues. This was during the time all they could do was groan. She groaned so deep, her mouth got dry and words didn't come out. She just was... And he said to her, how long will you be drunken? Well, why would he say that? Because his sons were drunks. He'd seen something similar to this before. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, how long are you going to put your wine away from you? In other words, you repent. <laughs> Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Duh, priest, get a clue. See, this is how, how damaged the priesthood was. He can't tell if a woman is drunk or if she's praying. Why? She knows more about touching God than he does. When she left there, she said, you know what, God? I get the whole picture now. This man is no good and his boys is no good. You need somebody. You need my boy desperately. And Eli answered to her and, and he said, well, go in peace and Lord grant you. In other words, he, you know, he wouldn't, what could he say? She done told him what was going on. Well, he, he said, well, okay, if you did that, then go in peace and and I bless you. He still had the authority of the priest. He's still in the office, folks. And she said, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. And she went away and ate and drank, and her countenance was no more sad. Amen? That's the kind of prayer we need to do. That prayer that touches God and empties us of all bitterness, 
all all malice towards somebody, all want to get even, you know, in put away the, the voodoo dolls on her and her kids. You understand when take the pins out of the doll kind of thing? You know, now she can stop her little stuff. You got me? You need a, a prayer that's going to straighten you up 100%. This goes beyond your little faith confession. I believe I received. You know, that'll keep you in them days when you're feeling discouraged and, and losing yourself. But sometimes you need to pour your heart out to God. And they rose up early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Amen. It's not like God forgot her. When they say God remembered, that means he gave them what they asked for. He blessed them. Amen. Remember just means he placed a blessing on your life. He hadn't forgotten her at all. You know, now, I mean, now people think that, God, you've forgotten about me. No, you just got to make me. You got to jog my memory. Who are you? You got me? And he says, it came to pass when the time came about for Hannah conceived, she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice. Hannah didn't go up because she said to her husband, I'll go up when my son is weaned. In other words, I'll go when it's time for me to part with him. And her husband said to her, do what seems good to, to you. And so in, in, in verse 24, when she weaned him, she took him up with her and with her offerings and so forth. And in, in verse 26, she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by you praying to the Lord for this child. I prayed and Lord gave me my petition that I've asked of him. Therefore, also, I've lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord and worship the Lord there. So Hannah had enough confidence in God to leave him with a backslidden priesthood. See, you talk about trusting God. She's being tested all the way down the line, folks. I mean, once you get your answer, that ain't the end of the test. That's not the end of your life with God. I'm sure she might have missed, you know, thought it over a couple of times. Thought ran to him. Man, I don't know. Them sons of Eli, he kind of like out of it. And his boys, they're sinners. Even more so, trust God with him. See, the day she vowed him to God, and when God answered, it was a done deal as far as she was concerned. No more discussion, no more taking it back, no thought about going back on your word. Worst thing in the world you can do is break a vow to God. You got me? It has consequences we don't even know. Keep your word to God. Keep your word to man. Don't be afraid to vow something to God. He'll help you keep your vow. You can't keep nothing, no way. By the time you go around the corner, you you need. I'm like God. I'm a when I get. I'm gonna put yours. I'm no, not gonna touch that first tenth, God. I'm gonna get that to you and put it right over here. You better do a cash app or you better do a, a, a whatever PayPal or something. You got me. Because sticking it in that little pocket of yours, you know, you start feeling that pocket. I'm just making sure God is right now. You need to give it. 
sitting up there playing them games, huh? Or at least make out the offering envelope. You got me? My goodness. And so Hannah wasn't doing afterthoughts. She wasn't doing, you know, we, we always think we can come up with an excuse for not keeping our word to God. Amen. So, so Hannah was able to resist resenting her accuser and her, uh, uh, her persecutor through hope. She hoped, she still hoped for a son and she was able to resist resentment. How many of us resent people, resent what they say to us? Amen. You know, you use, well, who do they think they are? What are you, you, know, what you picking on me for? I didn't, or I didn't do nothing to you. That makes no, if you still think like that, grow up. This has nothing to do. You, you, you think only bad happens to you because you do bad? You is bad. Your thoughts is bad. Your desires is bad. Every time you think something is bad. It's just the love of God just restrains us most of the time or the fear of getting caught or fear we go up to somebody and go for bed to the wrong person. They'll deck us. So, you know, a lot of things keep us restrained. So she was able to resist resentment. Hope will keep you feeling good about yourself, feeling forgiving toward other people. It'll keep you in, in the right place because, because you know that your hope is in God. And your hope is, is not that God will show people something. You know, that, that's still a form of resentment. See, we got that, that, that glory you don't want to touch. You want God to get all the glory out of, of what's happening in your life. You know, sometimes we'll think, well, when is it going to be my turn? When is it? I, I, I've said that off and on through the years. You know, you see things not changing very much. You see, and then I've just come to understand God, you know, and I looked at over the years, I looked at people with ministries and some of them are, have vanished. You don't even know where those people are. You don't know if they're serving God. Sometimes staying faithful, even at a small level, is a big thing to God. See, there are people that want to be this and want to be that. And God's going to do this. And, and if he don't do it soon enough, then they're done with God. Moved on to something else. Amen. So people disappear because they have resentment. Because, but if you can, can fight resentment by keeping hope alive, Every time, listen, every time that Noah drove a nail in the ark, I'm sure there was a crowd of people out there making fun of him. How did he fight resentment? He just kept knowing that one day God's word was going to come to pass. And if he stopped to tell people off or he stopped because he wanted somebody to believe him, you know, we, we need to get over that. If nobody believes you, God is still real. If nobody believes you're going to be healed, God is still healing you. If nobody believes you're going to get up out of that chair and walk, God's going to make you get up out that chair and walk. You understand me? You're, we're not here for everybody else. We're here for God. Amen. They, they don't have to understand everything about your life. Quit explaining yourself to people. Just be a puzzle to people. 
you know, just walk in there and say, uh-huh, this is going to mess some heads up today, but I'm going in there with a smile on my face. I'm not going to be acting like I'm down, even though I got every reason to be. But I'm going to go in there with a smile because the joy of the Lord makes me strong, keeps me going every day. So we can fight resentment through hope. Really, resentment comes to kill your hope. Because if you can get mired down in how you feel and, and what you think people think, you know, people ain't thinking nothing half the time. They, they don't even have their own lives together. Amen. They looking at you kind of hoping you still hanging on to hope so they can have something to believe in, you know, whether you know it or not. Yeah, I forget somebody was made a, a statement similar to that one time. I don't know. It, it might have been my dear late husband, but, you know, I had said one time he kept fighting me about going to church and what I was doing and what I was getting yeah, up there all the time. And I said, you know what? I ain't going no more. And he shock on his face and he saw me not move. He said, well, I, 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 you can't quit. I was hoping you, you know what I'm saying? I was hanging on. You know, he watching me to see if this is real. And one day I decided it ain't real. Devil. But then I got up and went to church. I go, I go for me. I don't go for people. See, we all got to cross that hurdle, folks. You think you're not being tested? You're being sorely tested. God wants you to know what's in your heart. Because it'll shock us sometimes to see just how goofed up we are. Amen? And so, with it, 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 you know what's in what comes out when you're pressed? The oil, the pure oil comes out when you're pressed. Amen. When you can't get what you want as fast as you want it. And when people won't quit picking at you. Yeah, you got me. Amen. So this is what this is what is necessary. You got to have that pure oil shooting out of you. Amen. That's what God wants. And so when uh, <clears throat> when Eli's sons uh, finally when 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 the day came for uh, for um, uh, uh, Samuel to step into the priesthood, he was still a little boy. You got me? He barely knew the voice of God. So don't tell me God won't call your children as children. Sometimes they'll understand God more than you do. They just don't haven't gotten the courage to say anything yet. Amen? Because Samuel had not trained himself to hear the voice of God. In, if you go over here to, to chapter 2 and verse 12, Eli's, uh, the sons of Eli were, uh, were sons of the devil. They didn't even know the Lord. They were about to step into the priesthood and didn't even know God, didn't care to know God. And Eli, for some reason, didn't train them, didn't call on God to help him get those boys under control. Probably just spoiled them. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came, and while the flesh was seething with a flesh hook uh, of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. And so they did that in Shiloh. They also burnt offerings. The fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, give flesh to roast for the priest and he will not have sodden to roast flesh, but raw. And so what they were doing was taking the best for themselves 
and leaving the leftovers for God. Well, that's a violation of God's word. And see, what God is doing with a lot of people, and I've come to realize this, God is setting up their replacement, and they think happy days are here again. They think it's going to go on forever. The Bible says that. It says that when the, 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 the people, uh, people in Noah's day were eating and drinking and dancing, marrying, giving in marriage, it was business as usual until raindrops keep falling on my... You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't until the water got waist high that most of them began to come into the realization that what Noah was preaching was right. God could have saved more people than you know, than that eight people, if they'd repented, if they'd listened to the preaching of Noah. I said, maybe, you know, come and hand me a hammer. Maybe there'll be room for you in the ark when it's time. And I'm sure some people tried to get involved for a minute, but then they saw the fun that was going on. They said, Let's go back to fun again. Amen. This is the way people are. They never think God is serious about causing an end to anything. You see many people that get sick and on their deathbed, they're looking for somebody to answer the question, is God real? Can I be, be saved? Amen. There are people I've gone to pray with and, and, and sometimes not even planning to pray for anybody and come into contact with people in a hospital who are on a deathbed and need to know if they can be saved. See, God will send somebody to you at the last minute if you're waiting for you to get sincere. But time after time again, people want to play around, think they got forever. They always think they have more time than they do. Amen. When God calls time on them. And he says that. He said they were eating and drinking. And so here, Hophni and and Phineas, you know, are are doing what they're not supposed to do. And so the day comes when Samuel is called into the ministry on a day where they thought nothing was going to go on except the rent over and over and over again. And the day that Samuel was able to discern the voice of God was the day that God called time on Eli and his whole household. He and his sons died and the son's baby died. Amen. And so this is something that serves as a warning to people who think God's word is not true. Just because it hadn't caught up with you yet don't mean it won't. Because God's not a man that he should lie. And he means to have a holy people and a pure people. Because it's not that hard to live for God. Not in the time that we live in now. People say, well, that's hard. It's because you say it's hard. Amen. You start saying it's easy, it'll be easy for you. But God wants your heart. He doesn't want, he, he's not looking at anything except how you feel about him. Amen. He wants your yes. Amen. He just wants you to say yes to him because he's already said yes to you. There's nothing good that God won't withhold from his people. He'll give us everything. So there's resentment that comes sometimes when, when we are ridiculed and we're made fun of. And you have to take a stand for God and keep serving God. See, it would have been right up the devil's plan for Hannah if she would have just forget about God, forget about praying, forget about this whole thing. You know, God would have raised up somebody else. 
but he wanted to work with her because he had begun working with her and he wanted to finish the job. But trust me, God will always find somebody, amen, who's going to believe him. And so Hannah had to fight resentment to continue to hope in God. Amen. This is what the, why the devil puts ridicule in the earth. So why he makes fun of people. That's why he says, well, look at you. Everybody else got this and you don't have that. He can say that about anything. Amen. He'll say it about the car you drive. He'll say it about the clothes you wear. He'll say it about anything. You know, when we were in, in school, in high school, we, there were kids that didn't dress as well. And I saw kids make fun of them. And the ones that toughed it out wound up being class president, wound up being going on to college and becoming doctors and all those things. You can overcome that, but you can't let resentment drive you. And then I saw some that got ridiculed and dropped out of school and, and wound up robbing people, being in jail. And that's where the devil likes putting people through ridicule and through resentment. And those are very powerful tools that the devil will use on us if he can to get us to lose hope and to walk away from the promise that God has us working on. There's a lot of people that got tired of waiting. That that faith stuff, nah, y'all say that faith stuff, that stuff don't work. That's because you don't work it anymore. It works for everybody all the time, but you got to work it. You can't lose hope. You can't lose confidence. And little by little, I've seen the devil steal stuff from them. Stealing, stealing, stealing. And they still haven't turned back to God. Well, it's not my business to make them turn back. I keep praying for them. But you can see how long people can resent and can stay in that state of, of paralysis, spiritual paralysis, and not, not humble themselves and come back to God. You look at him, you say, man, I'd have repented a long time because you have a repentant heart. You're different from they are. You don't, you don't want to know how they can stay out there that long. You don't want to be in that place. God can retrieve them at any time, but God is, is being God. He's not letting us know all of his secrets and what he's working on. But know that he's working on people to cause them to repent so that they can come back to the household of God. Amen. Amen. So so God has to move us in different degrees. Hannah obtained hope and she was able to barter with God, make a deal with God. You have a covenant with God. You can make a deal with God. God, if I will do this for you, will you do that for me? God, if you can give me contentment where I'm at, I'll serve you. You got me? Sometimes you just need to get stuff out of you. Leave it at the altar. God, let me be a contented, happy person serving you. Amen? And he will accommodate you. He's done that with so many people. Amen? He'll do that with you. So she obtained hope and was able to make her covenant with God. And God was able to multiply children to her. She went on to have six more children after that. Amen. And and be a joy to her husband, be a, a rejoicing in him. Amen. And I'm not going to talk about the other woman because they don't mention her. <laughs> but you know who he who who he who laughs last <laughs> laughs best. Amen. But, you know, Hannah wasn't that type of person. She was a humble woman. She didn't play them games. She was above games. You understand what I'm saying? Some people will play games with you because that's their level that they live on. 
God's trying to elevate us. We don't have to live on the level of showing them. You know, they making fun of me. I'm going to show them, you know, uh -uh. no, no way. No way. God's not in that game. He wants to bless you because he wants to add dignity to your life. If you're getting even with people, that's there's no dignity there. Amen. So hope will take you higher than the level of jealousy and self-pity. Hope elevates you. Amen. It, it puts a wind in you. It puts a lift in you. It, it causes you to rise above the level where you are. So you got to keep hope alive, folks. You got to keep before you what God has promised you. Amen. If he says that he that you are healed, you got to know that it'll come to pass. And I mean the whole thing, not just a little bit. You know, sometimes we're we get a little bit and we're scared to believe for the rest of it. Right. Amen. But but you know what? You got to realize that that when you have a promise in God, you're pulling it in. And there's more on the other end. You're continuing to pull in and there's more on the other end of the line. You know, you're being fed. You're getting what you need. You, you have what you need all the time. Now you're moving into abundance. Now you're moving into second and third generational wealth. Now you're moving into areas where you never thought you would go. Why? Because a hope is not extinguished. Your, your hope is still in God. He has a big fish on the end of that line, much bigger than we ever thought we had. And he means to give it to us. Amen. Why? Because it belongs to him and we are his heirs. We inherit everything that he has. Amen. He's not going to leave. Well, God doesn't need it for himself. He laid it up for us. Yeah, I wish we could get that in our minds and keep it in there all the time. We are the, you know that the children of God are the final heirs of everything in this earth. I mean, all the, you know, we see these people with, you know, the Googles and the Apples and the, uh, you know, the Amazons and all them people. That's our stuff. Them derelicts, ain't they? Them weird people, they're Satanists, most of them anyway, trying to hold on to it. That's our stuff. You know, and we need to start living the life of God and understanding that God will lay it up for us. He wants his 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 people to continue to carry his gospel because we do good things with our money. We're not laying it up and trying to manipulate people with it. Amen. We do the right things with our money. So hope will cause us to resist resentment, folks. You don't have to be mad at nobody. If they don't understand what God's doing with you, you know, praise God. God, give them understanding, you know, give them, you know, have mercy on them. I forgive them, Lord, for making fun of me, thinking I don't know what I'm doing, whatever, whatever. You just keep keep going. But keep hoping. Don't let it kill your hope. But keep hoping that God will, will come for what it is that he's, he's supplying to you. Amen. Hope always expects God to answer. He is the God of all hope. He gave you hope so you could answer, so he could answer it for you. He put it into your life so he could go right back and visit you and say, oh, here's that hope I've been looking for. Let me give her what she wants or let me give him what he wants. I've been looking for somebody with hope. I've been wanting to stop by somebody's address that's hoping in me. Amen. 
That's all you got to do, God. I'm still here. Remember me. Here I am, God. I'm a, you're talking to me? I know you're talking to me. Amen. I'm answering. Here I am. You know, that kind of thing. Just let God know you're still here. Worship him. Thank him. God, I thank you for bringing that to me. Amen. I thank you for everything I asked you for yesterday. I'm, I'm right back again today thanking you for it. And let him know that you your hope is in him. Hope expects God to answer. Amen. And it doesn't stop believing. It keeps believing. So you see how faith and hope are tied very much together. Don't ever think that whatever it is you're believing God for, you don't want it anymore. See, that's resentment. See, we can let that resentment creep in at anything. Sometimes we can think it's it's too late. It's, well, I didn't come when I first asked. Hey, welcome to the club. Huh? In fact, I got shoes older than you. Shut up. Amen. I'm still I'm still waiting on mine. You can wait on yours. Amen. It's true. It, this is this is the way of faith, folks. Faith isn't faith until it's endured something. You know, it's magic if it happens the first time you believe. And praise God, sometimes God moves that quick. But let me tell you something, baby. If you get it that easy all the time, there's nothing left for you to hope for. You'll be just like the crazy wealthy people out there trying to invent problems. Amen. Well, I, you need to call me by the right pronoun. I said, oh, my goodness. Now they didn't run out of stuff to really be concerned about. Now they concerned about pronouns. You need to say spell it for me. Most of them don't even know how to spell. Don't know how to talk. Amen. Amen. All right. Why don't we quit? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to know how essential hope is. It's mandatory that we have hope. Father, as long as we have hope for the things that you are doing on earth, you will include us in your plan. If we want long life, we can have it because our hope is in you. And Lord, we so thank you. We so bless you. And we so praise you for all that you are doing in the earth among your people. Father, that you are bringing more and more sons and daughters to you, even as we speak. I thank you, Lord, for the souls that are being saved today. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for a spirit of repentance across the earth, where people can come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and live with you eternally. Thank you, Lord, for goodness and mercy that follow us all the days of our lives. We just bless you, and we praise you, and we thank you. Lord, we thank you that abortion will not be increased in the state of Ohio. That, Father, you will get out the word for people to vote no on these issues that will increase abortion and all the support. We've already defeated it in the Supreme Court. And our state has always stood against abortion. So, Lord, we thank you that our stand will not change. It will continue to stand. And we bless you. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen again. If 